Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Monday, November 14th, and we have an absolute banger of an NFL Sunday to recap. Joining me, as he always is, is the great, the wonderful, the terrific Scott Pienowski. Scott, what's going on, buddy? Not much, Ben. Uh, try to live up to that lovely introduction. And, you know, the first game we're going to talk about, this this Buffalo-Minnesota game, I mean, it's the NFL in a nutshell, right? I mean, it, it was fun. It was crazy. It was chaotic. It, it was There was greatness. You know, there was one of the best catches we'll ever see. There were, there were unbelievably terrible mistakes. Uh, there were coaching decisions we can question. There were a lot of fantasy points uh, for two teams destined to go to the playoffs. I mean... Yeah, that's all you can really ask, right, is to be entertained, is to to see the best players in football get a chance to impact the game. You know, we, we saw that in this game. Um, you know, Allen, a lot, a lot of, by the way, the injury report was a real daisy this week, right? Or the team oh, with, with all the stuff they did, right? <laughs> you know, the Colts knew, obviously, they were going to play Matt Ryan all week, but they they made us, you know, think about Sam Ellinger forever. The the Rams, the Cardinals had their backup quarterback bowl. Um, Allen obviously played in this game. So enough of my yakking. Let's let's get to, let's give the people what they want. Let's give them some week 10 fantasy football takeaways. Yeah, you're right about the injury report thing, man. It was a sweat uh, with this particular game that we're going to start with all the way up kind of to the last minute with Josh Allen. Will he, won't he? Uh, was he which starting center was he with or which center was he with the starter or the backup during pregame warmups? Is it even out there? But Josh Allen does eventually go out there. Vikings 33 bills 30. It comes down to overtime. Um, I want to start with the Vikings side of this first. Obviously they win the game. Um, you know, the bills sort of a bigger story, obviously with the Josh Allen part of, it, especially for fantasy. But like I said, let's get started with, with the Vikings here, because I feel like Scott, the Vikings have sort of been that team that the smartest guy in the room, and you know, I, maybe not that we're the smartest guys in the room or anything like that, but you and I might have said this at different points. Like the Vikings don't feel as good as their record says they are, right? The smartest guy in the room would have said every, every, you know, every single time, like th- their record is a little fraudulent. They're not that good of a team. Um, they're just running hot, especially, and I know you and I have pointed this out that Kirk Cousins is not having his 
best season. Uh, Efficiency-wise, his touchdown rate heading into this game, his adjusted yards per attempt heading into this game was the lowest of his Vikings career. In some way, though, Scott, I, I almost kind of talked myself throughout the week into that being like a good thing for the Vikings, that their record is as strong as it is as a team. At some point, you your record is good. You're just good. And that Kirk Cousins, a proven quarterback, is not having his best year, that there was more meat on the bone. And I think a lot of that was trickling into Justin Jefferson as a fantasy player. Then he goes out there today and I think has sort of a statement game. 10 catches on 16 targets, 193 yards, and a touchdown. And it's not as good. Like the box score is not as good as it actually was on the field. He had probably the catch of the season, maybe the catch of uh, forever in the NFL. It was just an awesome, I think, statement game from the Minnesota Vikings. Um, And and their best players uh, showed up in this one, especially Justin Jefferson. Yeah, you know, we've talked about Cousins having his weakest season as a starter. But in in this NFL year where so many quarterbacks have gone off the rails, so many young quarterbacks have struggled to get going, and so many older quarterbacks are, are having their problems, you know, it's never going to happen for Russell Wilson. Kirk <laughs> Cousins is good enough, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what do we ask of Kirk Cousins? Make Justin Jefferson great. Okay, check that box. Uh, they trade for TJ Hawkinson. Make TJ Hawkinson relevant. You know, make him better than he was in Detroit. Well, so far, so good. I mean, Cousins today, he takes four sacks. He throws two picks. He puts the ball on the ground twice. They, they weren't um, turnovers. But, you know, he, a lot of mistakes with Cousins. But bottom line is, hey, if you're going to send 16 targets to Justin Jefferson, you're going to give 10 targets to TJ Hawkinson. I'd like to see Thielen doing a little bit more, but whatever. This is a narrow usage tree, and their best player by far, and, and you're Mr. Wide Receiver, you're Mr. Reception Perception. I'm having a ball with, I know this doesn't matter, but who who's the best receiver in football, right? I mean, Cup had that season yeah. last year. I thought he was the MVP of the league. They don't give it to receivers. But, you know, Cup had that yellow jersey for a while. And then it's like, well, Jamar Chase is starting to spread his wings. Maybe it's Chase. Oh, we're not giving Stephon Diggs his just due. I know that'll never be a problem with you. You've been a Diggs guy from day one. You were not just early to that. You were driving that bandwagon. But right now, Justin Jefferson, you know, for, has that imaginary yellow jersey. You know, this is a signature game with, I think, probably the most memorable regular season catch since the Beckham catch. In a game that was cra- that was you know bat crazy. I don't know if bat crazy can make it to the edited version of this podcast, but so what? Oh, it certainly and can. I, I just you know I just <laughs> I see ten to one ninety three and one in, in, in a catch that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, and and it, it gets my blood pumping. You know, and every fantasy angle you wanted to play here came through, right? I mean, I, I guess you might have been a little bit disappointed with Thielen, but I think we've had an age 32 season. Maybe we have to take his expectations down. Both of the running backs do it. Cook is mainly a long run. With Singletary, it's mostly touchdown deodorant. Gabe Davis, who's been more boom or bust than anybody, has one of his boom weeks. Diggs was terrific, didn't get in the end zone, but so what? And Josh Allen, look, he made some mistakes in this game. It's going to be why they lost the game. But he never, at any point, did I watch this game and think, oh, Josh Allen's elbow is really hurting him. He looked fine to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in fact, I had a chance to trade for Josh Allen and backed off because I'm, I'm just so over the moon for Justin Fields right now. And we'll talk about that later. But bottom line is this. There's a lot of star power in this game. Yeah, I do the rankings every quarter of who are the best fantasy offenses. And these are always two of the higher ranked teams. Buffalo's been one or two all season. Minnesota's not further behind that. No offense to Alexander Madison. No offense to K.J. Osborne. No offense to C.J. Ham. I'm coming here for the Jefferson show. I'm coming here for the Dig show, and that's what we got. Okay, yeah, you know, uh, 
I don't know why they did a goal line stick to Kirk Cousins. I don't know why Josh Allen couldn't <laughs> handle that snap. I don't know why this game had to end on an interception in the red zone. But but so what? It was pinball. It was lead changes. It was chaotic. It was the NFL experience in three and a half hours. So, you know, thumbs up. I'll be re-watching re- this game probably once or twice during the week. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was an awesome game. Uh, so many highlight moments from it. Um, j- just fantastic. A plus. No notes all the way around. Great stuff. The Justin Jefferson conversation, like you said, who who gets to wear the yellow jersey? Who's the best receiver in football? I always say this. If you rank top five, if you rank top 10, top 15 wide receivers right now and you feel like you didn't leave somebody off, you you did the exercise wrong. You know, we're talking we're having this conversation conversation about uh, Justin Jefferson right now. I feel like we had a similar conversation about A.J. Brown a few weeks ago because he's in this category too, right? Now, of course, the way Jefferson had this game, um, the highlight reel moment, like the, that catch type of moment that he has in this, the fact that his team pulls off an upset against what we all regard as one of the two or three best teams in the NFL in Buffalo, I think probably even says this is more of a statement game than what A.J. Brown did, you know, dusting up the, the, the Steelers a few weeks ago. But still... Like if you talk, sit down and talk top five. Like I was talking about this with my buddy Alex Gelhar the other day. It's like, oh, you rank the top five receivers. Like right now, you you might like it's tough because then you get to Devonte Adams and like where does he stand? Like Jamar Chase is he even in the conversation because there's all those other guys that you mentioned. It's it's just an unbelievable um, setup right now at the wide receiver position. But I do I do agree that Justin Jefferson he said it going into this year right. He called a shot that hey I'm gonna be the best receiver in the NFL. We're all gonna regard me as that by the end of the year. And he's well on his way to doing that. Um, To bring it back to Josh Allen, I agree with you that there was no moment where I was like, man, that elbow has got to be a a problem. In fact, several times when he's taken off running, creating those big plays like he does, he landed specifically on that right elbow. And I was like, but just pops right back up and and keeps on going. But it is worth saying, um, you know, and we don't have to whisper it. I think you just have to say it, that Josh Allen has made too many mistakes over the last few weeks. You know, there was a the couple of second half picks against the Packers on Sunday night where it almost kind of felt like to me, Scott, that was like a the Bills are testing the fences, right? Just like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, like the Velociraptors. They're seeing if there's any weak parts. You know, they're just kind of like messing around out there in the second half. They still win by double digits against the Packers. But then in the, the game against the Jets, ton of mistakes there. They lose the game to a division rival. Same thing here. There's mistakes. And look, Josh Allen's one of the best players on the planet. Okay. Like some guys just sometimes things just happen and, and they have cold streaks. But Josh Allen is certainly in one of those cold streaks right now. Um, he's outside the top 12 quarterbacks in EPA per dropback over the last two weeks. Um, he's a one to four in terms of touchdowns and interceptions. So just a little bit of cold streak for the Buffalo Bills passing offense and Josh Allen overall. But the box score still looks great for fantasy regardless. Nothing to add to that, man. It was, it was a fun game. Um, Buffalo not going to be in first place. Um, not probably. It could be hard for them to get the AFC number one seed. Grant, you're going to lose games. It's better to lose them out of conference. But yeah, um, I also think Buffalo could go anywhere um, and win. I think they're a team that could could win in any kind of weather. Could win on the road. Could win in in a dome game. Doesn't really matter. And and maybe the greatest sign that Allen was healthy or just he's just competitive as all get out as most NFL players are is how aggressively he ran. You know, he, he ran like this was the final game of the season. And, you know, we we need um, and, and I, I still think that that's something they want to at some point, point maybe pull back on. I thought the Bills were making a mistake early in the season when they'd be in blowout games and they're still calling design runs for Josh yeah. Allen. I, I still think that's a mistake. 
But it's funny because that's kind of a new thing this year with Ken Dorsey, whereas in previous years, like Brian, and it's always worth coming back to this office coordinator change, like Brian Dable would always kind of save those for just like the Chiefs do with Patrick Mahomes, like save those for January, December, the playoffs, that type of stuff. Right. This this offensive mastermind in Ken Dorsey has not done it that way. Yeah, that's one reason why I've always liked to to bet quarterback rushing props in the postseason because I think, yeah. okay, well, there's nothing you're not saving it for anything. And uh, and just another thing with props, by the way, if you if you find yourself angling towards a prop that's an over prop, you get to bet those things as soon as the window opens because what generally yeah. happens is like I like the Dalton Schultz prop. Uh, shout out to Ian Hartitz who was all over that, and I, I read some of his angling. I'm like, yeah. I think Ian's right here. I think 30 or 31 is a way too low of a number. You know, by kickoff, the number's like 37. You know, you have to bet. If you're an over better on props, you got to get in early. If you're an under better on props, you wait for that closing line value and you take the prop late. 100% agree. Well, rushing props, great transition <laughs> to our next game here. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was fun getting free Justin Fields money while, while you could, right? What is prop in the 50s today? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Andy took that on FFL for our prop segment uh, this morning, and I, I said to him, I was like, what What would the line have to be for on Justin Fields to take the under at this point? Um, he, yeah, he took it, I think, at 57 and a half. Well, he blew way past that, Scott. Blew way past it. Um, yeah, I, I get a figure this is probably the... We know last week he set the record for most rushing yards in a regular season game. Only Colin Kaepernick had beaten it. And then he goes for 147 and two touchdowns today. That's got to be the most rushing yards in back-to-back games. And yeah. even though, look, he, he's still got a long way to go as a passer. I like that they're being proactive. I mean, look at the two Cole Komet touchdowns. Their scheme wins, right? He's wide open on the long one, and it was an easy pitch and catch on the short one. Um, I'm not even sure how much that really tells us about Cole Komet. It tells us that teams are just petrified of Justin Fields, and, and he's such a distraction at all times. Hopefully, Komet, he was dinged up late in this game. Hopefully, that's no big deal. I can live with the Bears throwing 20 times a week if 11 of those 20 targets are going to be to Mooney and, and Komet because all those guys I want to play. Uh, on the, on the, uh, granted, I picked Chicago in this game. Really frustrating. I had Chicago in a couple of money line parlays. Really frustrating that they had a a two-touchdown lead late in this game. They give the game away in part because Fields threw a really bad pick six that you can't do. Yeah, On the flip side, man, I I know we all like DeAndre Swift. I know he's talented, but the Lions continue to treat him just like it's a box with a fragile, you know, sign on the side of it. They just don't want to give him a lot of touches. And look, they, Jamal Williams is their spirit animal. They're going to give him double-digit carries every week. He's their goal line guy. But I don't see how you can play DeAndre Swift with seven touches. I know he had touchdown deodorant, so it wasn't a total washout game. But if I was rostering DeAndre Swift, and I know we're still in the middle of bye weeks and all that, and I know what his upside is, I know on any play he can rip off like a 55-yard run. Until he plays a full game, man, I can't go near him. Also, i really sad to see St. Brown get dinged up late in this game. I hope he's okay because 10, 10 for 11, 119 yards, that's the sun god we fell in love with. This result felt fraudulent to me. Maybe I'm just... I don't know. I'm, I'm speaking to the fact that I love the Bears all week. I thought they were a great play against the spread. I thought this was a great dead nut over game. I love the Fields prop. A Cole Komet was one of my picks, and I know I wasn't alone on that one. I thought he was an easy top 10 call. And somehow the Lions get the game because they get they give touchdown and, and Fields couldn't do the Superman thing at the end of the game. But bottom line, early in the year, the Bears would play, and I would say to you, Matt, I, I don't think I can rewatch this game. It's so frustrating to watch Justin, Justin Fields not be supported, to be in an offense that doesn't play to his strengths. Now, 
they can still do a lot of things to help him. The offensive line still needs a lot of help. He still takes too many sacks. He's learning. But at least they traded for Claypool. At least they're starting to be more proactive and creative. And they're more like, okay, what does Justin Fields do well? How do we threaten a defense with Justin Fields? And, uh, you know, now they're they're one of my first rewatch. They are, you know, off the runway early. They're basically the priority boarding on the airplane. You know, the Chicago, the Chicago Bears get priority boarding when I'm, I'm rewatching games. And it's all because of the Justin Fields show, man. And, and that's all we want, right? We want to see, like I talked about the last game, we want to see star players put in position to excel. I had a chance to trade, make a trade that was basically predicated on fields for Josh Allen. It, there were more players involved, but I got cold feet. I wasn't sure how healthy Allen was. I know that sounds completely comical now that he just had a monster game, but I wasn't sad to not get rid of Justin Fields, man. I mean, I, yeah. if this guy's going to run like this every week and still have passing touchdown equity, that's a cheat code. He, I, don't, I don't think I'm, break, I'm breaking any you know, hot take here. He's, he's the top five quarterbacks the rest of the way. And in a class that we're really worried about, I, I just thrilled. And for the second week in a row, I'm talking about the bears. Like they won the game. They didn't win the game. <laughs> and maybe that's part of the story too, is their defense has given a lot back. So you know, the carnival right now, the best carnival in the NFL is probably the Chicago bears. Yeah. And, and this was the other carnival team earlier in the year with the, with the Detroit lions. And I agree pretty much with everything you just said that it, especially the Deandre Swift point, like, I mean, Jamal Williams has to be ranked ahead of DeAndre Swift going forward at this point on a weekly basis for sure. And I agree, like until until we get like some sort of confidence that he has a clean bill of health, like how could you play him as a priority? I, I don't think you can. So um, that makes it tough. You know, I'm on Ross St. Brown again. Hope he's healthy because that was awesome to see him back on the map. Um, just real quickly before we move on, uh, Cole Komet, top 10, top 12 tight end rest of the way, like every week start at this point. For sure. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. All right, Munich game here. Buccaneers 21, Seahawks 16. The biggest story coming out of this one, Scott, has got to be the backfield for the Buccaneers. You know, Leonard Fournette was already kind of seeding work to Rashad White. You know, Rashad White got the start in this game. Uh, I know that's obviously been a talking point on fantasy uh, Twitter or whatever, fantasy circles throughout the year. But leaves the game with a hip injury. Uh, Rashad White comes away with 22 carries, over 100 yards, it certainly looks like, and Rashad White, by the way, at least earlier this week, was still like 35% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Like he's easily going to be the number one pickup of the week. And potentially, if this Leonard Fournette injury is serious, he's going to be that, you know, classic upside guy that does end up becoming a huge win so far because he hasn't even really been like that involved as a receiver like Leonard Fournette has been. But if Fournette is out and White is starting, that receiving work is absolutely coming for a guy like Rashad White because that's just what it means to play with Tom Brady at this point. You know, it's standard teams get a choice when they play these foreign games if they want the bye week afterwards. And Tampa Bay did choose that before the season. But I bet the way they played today, I bet they wish they were playing next week. This this might have yeah. been their best offensive game of the year. Both Fournette and White were effective on a per snap basis. And, and White certainly looked better in his stint. Chris Godwin gets off. Uh, he was on pace to be one of those rare guys who gets 100 targets in a season, doesn't score a touchdown. There's only been five players who've done that since targets became an official stat. He opens his account. Maybe Chris Godwin's going to be healthy. There's a guy who could really be a key to this team because, I mean, he came back from an injury where you you it's to be expected that he might be 70%, 75% Chris Godwin. He looked pretty good today. And they beat a Seattle team. And look, I said all week, Frank Schwab was right there with me. Why isn't Seattle favored? They've been the better team for two months. And 
I, I, I just stopped expecting Tampa Bay just to wake up one week and play better. But this week they woke up and played better against the Seattle defense that actually for the last three or four weeks had played pretty well. I know Seattle's defense was terrible for the early part of the season, but um, I had bought into Seattle being a better team. And, and who knows, maybe they are better than Tampa Bay anyway. But Tampa Bay was the better team today. And also, you know, Kenneth Walker, I mean, he, look, he's still great. Um, I wish I had him rostered everywhere. I, he didn't do much today. But Warren Sharp opened me up to some interesting stats on Walker where he doesn't actually have a high play success rate where it's mm. been mostly a, a lot of long runs. He's been kind of a boom bust running back where you're getting that you're getting home with Walker most weeks because he eventually busts up a couple of long runs. But as far as staying ahead of the sticks as getting a play that's plus EV, he's maybe been a little bit overrated because the play success hasn't been there. It doesn't mean he's a bad player or anything, but maybe we should have expected that at some point he would have had the type of game that he had today against the Tampa Bay front that could still get after it. Here's the ultimate bottom line. For one thing, Julio Jones, you know, I was asked a trivia question about receivers who have 6,000-yard seasons on their career, and I actually forgot to say Julio Jones, and I forgot to say Mm -hmm. A.J. Green because I just forget they're in the league. It's just nice to see Julio Jones back making a football play. I mean, he's a walking Hall of Famer. I don't think A.J. Green is, but... Wherever people come down on Brady, I know he's a polarizing guy. I know a lot of people are sick of Tom Brady and, you know, he was won too much and he's, he stayed, overstayed his welcome for some people. We're so struggling for quality offenses this year and good quarterback play that if the Buccaneers can go back from restricted lists to, oh my God, you know, icky backfield, don't want to touch it. If they can put White back into play or they can put Fournette into play, if Godwin takes a step up in class, if Brady maybe jumps a half tier or a tier in the second half of the year, I'm all for it, man, because I'm struggling to find. This week was a really bad week for quarterbacks. A couple of good guys weren't playing. Some players we normally would start are either not healthy or weren't going to to play on on game day. We could really use Tampa Bay being a top 10 offense again. And today we saw signs that maybe they can actually find themselves in the second half of the year. I know. And that's the thing, right? When we talked about who do you have more faith in fixing themselves, the Packers or the Bucks, like these two. And I know the Packers obviously won this game. And I guess the Rams have sort of been in the background sure, of that conversation, but sure. that one's so Broncos that one's too. so far gone. Yeah, Broncos as well. It, the Bucks always seem like the team that would probably, you know, or at least like has the most likely chance to to find themselves, to fix themselves because they have the talent, right? Like even Julio Jones, like you mentioned, there's no scenario where Julio Jones is going to like out target Mike Evans the rest of the way or Chris Godwin or any of these guys like that's their mainstays. But if you can just have a little sprinkle of Julio Jones like that, you know, having the juice after the catch, like making a big play on his own, like that's when you start to get really interesting with this Buccaneers offense. If Rashad White can bring something uh, to the table and I agree overall on the on the Seahawks, like I'm not worried about them. Um, That's a good point about Ken Walker. Like it's it's not a problem with Ken Walker. It's just the way he's gotten it done so far. And we've seen some other guys sort of be like big play, you know, boomer bust types type backs. But even Nick Chubb at the start of his career was a little bit of like a boom bust type runner but he's eventually now just become one of the most consistent runners in the NFL so I feel like Ken Walker can go down that path but yeah certainly feeling a lot better about the Bucks after this game and potentially just seeing what they have when they come out of their bye week um, another great game uh, on the slate here Dolphins 39 Browns 17 at least it was good on the Dolphins side you know Scott obviously most of the story for the Dolphins all year it's been the, the passing game. It's been Tyreek Hill. It's been Jalen Waddle. It's been Tua. 
man, they ran the ball really well today. And I know it's the Browns run defense and everybody's run on the Browns, but this was sort of one of those games where, okay, is it Jeff Wilson or is it Raheem Mostert? Well, it was pretty much both uh, today. I mean, obviously, Jeff Wilson has the bigger rushing game. He has more carries, but man, like, I think this was the, t- this sort of gave me confidence that, okay, Jeff Wilson might be the lead back here. But if you got to throw Raheem Mostert out there at some point, he has so much juice and this team might be figuring its rushing scheme out. You know, this is a, a coordinator, a head coach who's been like a run, uh, you know, was scheming up the run game for the San Francisco 49ers. And it's been the passing game that's been carrying the carrying the weight so far for this offense. Sort of gave me like the feeling that, hey, the, the Dolphins might find yet another extra dimension in their offense going forward. Right. Two very tried and true things with running backs. First of all, we, we always see you know, the rule of two and three. When, when you're playing three running backs or you have two running backs and maybe a mobile quarterback, that can be a problem. Miami's made it very clear. It's the Wilson show and the Mostert show. Wilson got the, the you know the two-thirds of it today, but there'll probably be games where that'll be closer to 50-50. Or maybe if Mostert starts a game off, maybe with a hot hand, maybe they'll ride that. They both, if you came with either one of them, even though Wilson had the better game, they both got there. They both got in the end zone. They both had work in the passing game. And also maybe, yeah, I didn't drop my my Wilson shares when the McCaffrey trade happened, but I was probably a week away from doing it. And this is just a case of, I think you get really lucky if you roster Jeff Wilson in the case that he got traded to a team that already knew him, already trusted him, and was going to just put him, plug him, and, and play him right away. A lot of people probably didn't use Wilson last week, and I would have understood so, but he was easy to play. a lot. I think a lot of people proactively ranked or played Wilson this week and good on you. And this is a fun offense, man. Now, the passing yeah. game is a little bit more spread out than it usually is, but that's that's not – I'm not feeling bad for anybody who has Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell. Uh, yeah, Hill had no. kind of the backwards game this year for the most part. He's been a yardage machine, not as many touchdowns as we'd expect. This week, it's touchdown deodorant. He didn't have quite as much volume. You know, Waddle, Waddle's so good that a quote-unquote bad game for him is four for 66. I, th- th- those guys are fantastic. You know, Tua is going to be – I wouldn't vote for him for MVP, but I mean, he's he's one of the long shots. You know, if, if somebody were to get hurt, I still think Mahomes is, is really, you know, got that yellow jersey. We'll see if Allen can get back into it, depending on how they go. But it, it's just so cool that Tua was this player. This was going to be the reveal year for him. Okay, you, you got the pieces. You got a coach that is respected. And uh, you, man, you get two guys who are going to be open. Uh, if you're yeah. good, it's going to show. And I, I think we have to admit that, that Tua... Tagovailoa is not only a good player, but he's no longer that punchline. Like, oh, you know, what if Miami didn't they know Justin Herbert was good? What if they got that pick? Wouldn't you love to have that pick back? And I'll admit it, I you know I said some of that snarky stuff, and, and not that Justin Herbert's a bad player. He's been playing hurt most of the season. We're taping as they play Sunday night, so whatever Herbert does is not going to be relevant to our discussion right now. But it's just cool to see Tua healthy. He went through the concussion issue. Uh, he's confident. He's got a coach who believes in him, who puts him in a position to succeed. That's all you can ask for. Uh, Miami, again, you know, that Chicago game last week was a blast. This game, this offense is really fun to watch. It's creative. They do things that are unique to them in the NFL right now. And again, you know, when I get around to watching these games on Monday, they'll be one of the first teams off the runway. And they have four people we can feel real good about. That The one guy you can't feel good about is Mike Gusecki, but I think people understood that. Yeah, He's probably been cutting a lot of leagues. Or, you know, if you got like Cole Komet, that enabled you probably to drop Mike Gusecki. It's just he doesn't fit this offense. But they have four skill players who really fit the offense. Tua doesn't run much. Miami is, you know, they're a main screen offense for me going forward. Yeah, and this is the type of game, too, with Tua, where 
it wasn't just Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle dragging him. You know, it, it was like he got Trent Sherfield involved. His touchdown throw to Trent Sherfield was nice. Um, you know, he got Alex Ingold got in the end zone here. Um, Jalen Waddle, like you said, leads the team with 66 yards. Like he spread the ball around. And look, when you play with Tyreek Hill and you play with Jalen Waddle, the spacing that Tua gets in that offense is just unlike what any other quarterback gets to play with because of those two guys and the way they they stress out the defense on every single snap. Regardless, though, that's but it's still a quarterback that can take advantage of that. And so I agree with you. Like this reveal year for Tua, I think has gone better than even like the most optimistic Tua folks might have might have thought. He has been really that good. On the Browns side of it, man, you know, Jacoby Brissett, he gets you 40 yards if you had to stream him in fantasy. You know, he gets one touchdown, doesn't make any crucial, crucial mistakes, but it's not sexy. The Jacoby Brissett offense is not sexy. And man, um, you know, Dalton has been on this all year. The home road splits for Amari Cooper throughout his career have been very slanted towards his home games. This year, it's been crazier than ever on the road here, even in a matchup too, where I thought, Hey, you might want to ignore the home road splits for Amari Cooper. And I, I look, I don't know what they are. I don't know what the deal is there. Um, don't know what 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 what's up there. I, I can't really tell you there's anything actionable to it other than just it is what it is. Three catches, three targets, 32 yards. Donovan Peoples-Jones has 99 yards. Again, don't, <laughs> I don't know what the hell that is, but it is a, a real thing at this point with Amari Cooper. Um, very strange, but here we are. I, I It's just we know what the Browns offense usually is um, and, and it, this, this, but Donovan Peoples Jones is a guy that I think, you know, I've, I've said this a lot that there's like four or five just hardcore DPJ bros in my Discord, like banging on my door to chart Donovan Peoples Jones. And he is certainly going to be a guy that's interesting, uh, you know, if this offense takes a step when their actual starting quarterback gets back. Right. Yeah. Week 13, uh, Watson against Houston. You know, we couldn't ask for a more interesting uh, landing spot for his first start. But, uh, Peoples Jones, he's not, not a lot of touchdown equity there, but I mean, man, if you if you had to play him this week, you'll take five for ninety nine. Um, they get Harrison Bryant in the end zone, only three catches, but you know, Evan Silva loves his Mackey Award winners, and uh, Bryant was a Mackey Award winner in the end zone this week. They could really use David Njoku back, who was having a breakout season. You know, they paid yeah, him. We've point. always liked Njoku. I, I think there's always been that feeling that there was chicken on the bone that you know they, what they weren't getting the most out of him. Points were always left on the field, but. He was having a breakout season. The injury came at the wrong time. Uh, Nick Chubb, what can you say, man? I mean, even when Nick Chubb doesn't have a quote-unquote Nick Chubb game, you know, he still gets you 81 total. He still gets you a touchdown. I don't understand why the Browns didn't trade a running back, whether it, it didn't have to be Hunt either. I, I mean, I think somebody would have made probably a play for Johnson too, who's Jernis Johnson, who can't even get on the field, who's a good football player. But, you, you know, it's, it's always kind of icky to talk about Deshaun Watson because all the off-the-field yeah, stuff, but... I mean, he's obviously when healthy and he can practice. I get what next week he can practice with the team. I think this coming week he can actually start to take reps with the team. So you would, I would think you could proactively probably play him in week 13 when it comes along. And um, so that, that means green light for all the main Browns guys. Now, maybe I missed this. I know you talked about it and, you know, forgive me for just flaking it if you gave me a conclusion what do you do with with these whole home road splits like i remember no roethlisberger for a long time had them <laughs> cooper has them i mean do you apply that do you, do you change your ranking of cooper if you were 50 50 on cooper versus somebody else would you have not played him here how do you apply it going forward i i don't know like i i, I think you know, I I can, I usually just say like these things just happen, and and you know it, it's a lot of noise 
it's just been more extreme this year than than ever, right? Than it has been with Amari Cooper. And it is funny because Dalton and I again have talked about this on the stat show where at least previously it's like, oh, well, okay, he, you know, he's playing indoors in Dallas. Like maybe a lot of it is just like an indoor thing, but he's playing outdoors with Cleveland and he's still having these splits. So I really don't know what to do with it. I think maybe you could use it like if you have a guy that all right, you know, this guy's 24 in the rankings and Amari Cooper's 23 in the rankings. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and not play Amari Cooper on the road or something like that. But I really, truly have no idea what to tell people when it comes to stuff like this because I can't find a real act. Other than, by the way, Scott, I've always said this with Amari Cooper, that he's a volatile player. Volatile players become volatile producers. He's not quite in the same way that a guy like Gabe Davis is a volatile player. A guy like Mike Williams is a volatile player. Um, but I think there's some of that there, and that's probably why, you know, maybe it's just a coincidence, the, the whole home road thing, because... Like he's just an up and down player, but I really don't. I truly, for the most part, don't know what it is. And I can't really come down to like a football reason why he doesn't perform on the road other than just, again, I think he is more of a volatile, inconsistent, up and down, kind of an overrated player than people than like the public thinks. But that's just my opinion about the player. Yeah, that's the point. I, I want like an intuitive reason why it could make sense, like a plausible explanation. And, you know, obviously I, you know, I have a background in fantasy baseball. It's totally different in baseball because you have different parks. The parks are so yeah. radically different now granted there can be differences in the nfl where indoor outdoor cold weather warm weather stuff like that but i don't know i mean cleveland you would think you know playing outdoors in cleveland isn't any advantage for anybody and it's just going to get worse as the season goes along man I, I played golf on friday in detroit by the way and it was snowing on saturday so welcome to the Weird. midwest but uh, you know i i just I'd be willing to believe in it if I could see some intuitive or plausible reason why it doesn't make sense and uh, why it makes sense. And I, I don't see it. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he has trouble falling asleep, you know, on the road or something. I, you know, maybe he, uh, I don't know. There's a million things it could be, but I don't have any proof of what it is. So I'm probably not going to apply it forward. And, and who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong in doing that. But that's just my stance right now. Yeah, I think we're mostly on the same page there. All right. Next game up here. Colts 25, Raiders 20. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God, man. Jeff Saturday, want to know as an NFL coach how, I mean, just how embarrassing for the Raiders. We'll come back to them. But we got a surprise Matt Ryan start. You know, I've been saying for a few weeks here, like, okay, the Colts, they're not starting Sam Ellinger for the rest of the year. Well, they didn't even make it. Um, they didn't even make it to one game in the Jeff Saturday era, which feels pretty rough for Frank Reich that by all accounts, Jim Irsay came down and was like, all right, we're benching Matt Ryan and we're playing Sam Ellinger because I'm impatient. And oh, by the way, Frank Gregg gets fired. And the first thing that happens uh, is they bench Sam Ellinger for, for Matt Ryan. And he comes out. And by the way, though, this was the Colts that we thought we'd get. I know the Raiders have a terrible defense, Scott, but this this, you know, by and large, other than Matt Ryan and that 39-yard run. I mean, the Raiders gave up a 39-yard run to Matt Ryan. I think it was more in a – that one run was more yards in a game than in a game he's had in like six years or something, was it? It was insane. So other than that, 22 carries for Jonathan Taylor, 100 yards, rushing touchdown. Uh, Paris Campbell had a big play. Michael Pittman has seven catches on nine targets. Like this was the Colts offense that we thought we'd be getting, just certainly not the head coach we thought we'd be getting. Yeah, this is one of those reminders that, you know, the Colts get paid too. You know, the Colts have pride too. And, you know, interesting in Matt Ryan, you know, when Ellinger played, the whole idea was like, well, maybe he won't know what he's doing as a passer, but he'll run, right? He's athletic. You know, he's going to be a proactive runner. He wasn't that. And then so Matt bad. Ryan, who's been a statue his whole career, has one of his best running games with, you know, with that one long run and then he picks up a rushing touchdown. But with Matt Ryan, even if Matt Ryan's below average, 
or whatever. He's on the back nine of his career. He's on the 18th hole. doesn't matter. That means we can play Pittman again. That means we can play Campbell again. That means may- maybe, I-, I know Pierce didn't do anything today, but maybe down the road, Alec Pierce will have value again. And I was really encouraged. And look, I didn't rank Jonathan Taylor as a, as a must start. I had him, I don't know, 13th, 14th. There were people who had legitimate Jonathan Taylor questions. Sometimes I said yes on Taylor. Sometimes I said no, but it was all a guess of, you know, he's coming off a high ankle sprain. That's an injury that's known to linger. But I was just happy to see him play well because I feel like there's been this narrative of, oh, okay, you know, you took Taylor over McCaffrey because you thought McCaffrey was going to get hurt. Well, McCaffrey didn't get hurt. Taylor did. And you're, you're such a lemming. And but, but by the way, McCaffrey managers, it's not like McCaffrey was fine with Carolina, but it's not like you ever could have drafted him thinking, yeah, he'll probably be on the 49ers halfway through the season, you know, <laughs> dying and go to heaven. You know, come on. You, you kind of lucked out with that. I'm just glad Jonathan Taylor had a game just reminding us, you know what? If you took Jonathan Taylor first or second, you did a totally reasonable thing. And it just sure. fell wrong for you. The, the quarterback played poorly. The line went bad. The coach lost his way. The offensive coordinator got sacked. I mean, just about everything that could go wrong for this Colts team went wrong, although somehow they beat the Chiefs. I'll never understand that. And Taylor gets the high ankle sprain. So, it, again, this is an ugly fantasy season. We are having trouble finding offenses we can hang our hat on. The Colts went on the restricted list. Couldn't trust anybody. I, I basically said, you do not start anybody here. Taylor, I came out around on once he was off the injury list. He was going to start. Okay, fine. He's Jonathan Taylor. He's just starting running back. But I said, Pittman, no. Campbell, no. I, you know, I wasn't going to play Ellinger. Even if you told me all along Matt Ryan would start, I never would have told anybody to start Matt Ryan. I'm just glad. And I, I get it. You do it against the Raiders. So what? The Raiders are terrible. Yeah, the defense the Raiders is a joke. Is <laughs> you know, this could be a one and done for Josh McDaniels. But... I'm just glad the Colts are back in play, man, because I love Michael Pittman, because I love Jonathan Taylor, because, you know, every I'll talk myself into Mo Ali Cox like twice or three times a season. I'll <laughs> never be right the following week, but we'll have those weeks. But, you know, Pittman was the guy I was taking in the third round every every mm-hmm. draft I could. And, and Taylor was a guy I think if you didn't take him second, you know, first, second, third overall, I think you made a mistake. It just came out running bad. It was encouraging to see him play well on the Raiders side. Okay. Jacob's Just real, real quick on real quick on the Colts yep. before we move to the Raiders. I do think that I agree with you that if, like coming into this game, if this like the Sam Ellinger offense, it was a it was a no go. It was a no fly zone. Like there, that's not. He's just he's not a he's not an NFL quarterback like period I think at this point if we know but if it's Matt Ryan like if we knew it was Matt Ryan coming into this game then I think we would have felt a lot better about all these dudes you know for th- sure My, Michael Pittman included Paris Campbell is like a deep flex play um, and also just again the last point on the Colts the whole idea that they were tanking or that like okay they're they're hiring Jeff Saturday to tank the season you know they're 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 just gonna roll they're just gonna th- th- wave the white flag and be done with it. You're not. I mean, I don't think that anything Jim Mercer is doing makes a lot of sense. I don't think there's like a clear through line, and the fact that Jeff Saturday wins in his first head coaching opportunity is not like a justification for anything that's happened um, over the last uh, week. But you didn't watch like that press conference with Jim Mercer. Like this is they did this because they want to win right now. They wanted to shake things up. Um, they they might necessarily might not might not necessarily want to be doing the veteran quarterback musical chairs. But this is the team that wants to win and thinks the things that it's doing right now it gives itself the best chance to win. I think Matt Ryan starting this game 
like not just rolling with Sam Mellinger, like the XFL quarterback, which is, but you know, the XFL has got a draft coming up soon. Maybe they can consider Sam. I, I think that this just goes to show that, that the Colts are going to keep trying to push for this thing, even if they might have one eye on the future. Well said, agree. And I, I don't know what Saturday, how he's going to be as an exes and those guys. Maybe he's a CEO coach and he's more somebody who appeals emotionally than intellectually, although he's by all accounts a smart guy and he's a good football analyst. I, I have definitely have respect for, Joe, great, for yeah. Jeff Saturday. We always think that the center a lot of times is the smartest guy on the offensive line. So you're happy to see that. How do the Colts get away with they, – they, it's not like they decided on Sunday, you know what, Matt Ryan looks pretty good in warm-ups. Let's let Matt Ryan start. You know, it's not like this was a whimsical uh, – okay, I just had a Matt Ryan feeling today. They obviously knew Ryan was starting and – in the NFL, where you know, gambling is legal in, in a million different places, and obviously fantasy, the great thing about the NFL is you can throw two rotten teams on a game, and people will watch it because they have people fantasy it, interest yeah. and because they have gambling <laughs> interest. And the fact that they could play Matt Ryan, I know there are whispers. Um, you know, sh- shout out to um, to some of the people who had it. I'm trying to think. Um, Michael Fabiano was was pushing this. He had he had some intel on this. Your your old colleague over at NFL.com. So you know, shout out to Fabs who was saying that he thought Ryan was going to play. It's funny. I had an Ellinger under yardage prop, and I was hoping Ellinger would just play the first series and then get you know taken out or would play a, a lousy half, and then I would win you know kind of on the walkover. Once Ellinger didn't get in the game, you know the, the prop was voided. So yeah, that's the way that goes. But. When a team knows all along it's going to start somebody and they don't tell us, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's – you shouldn't be allowed to do that. I, I, I don't know how you could really – it's one thing if they could say, well, Ellinger had an upset stomach or you know, Ellinger had a migraine or they could always say something like that. And who's to say that's not true? But Scott, I think, they, like- I think they walked into like practices this week being like, okay, Sam Ellinger is our starting quarterback. And I, I, would, I would venture a guess that Jeff Saturday saw Matt, like, Matt Ryan in practice and like, oh, he's healthy and saw – you know, Sam Ellinger. And at some point, I don't know when they made a decision, probably not five minutes before kickoff when we learned about it, yeah. um, but that it started at some point like I, and I'm sure Jim Irsay, like, again, wanted to see Sam Ellinger, whatever. Chris Ballard might have wanted to see Sam Ellinger, um, but I'm sure Jeff Saturday went and I, I look again, watch the press conference like Jeff Saturday's got pull right. Uh, clearly, uh, he goes up and says to Jim Irsay, like, yeah, we're, we're, let's, listen, buddy, you brought me in off ESPN to to coach his team. I'm going to play our best quarterback. And that's Matt Ryan. So case closed. Sure. And you have an obligation to the locker room, to the, the, the 53 guys dressing. Yes. To give yourself a best chance. Because none of these guys wanna nobody in this locker room is like, okay, let's 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 stink next year and, and get players to replace us. No, they they nope. have pride. They wanna have the and this is not a great division, right? I mean, we all love Mike Vrabel, but the Titans have all sorts of problems. It's not like the Jaguars and Texans are having rosy seasons. Who's to say the Colts couldn't get back in the playoff hunt? No, totally not. Uh, we didn't talk about the Raiders. What do we really need to say about the Raiders, right? It's like Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, his team stinks, log out, right? That's it. Yeah, that's it. Log out. <laughs> log out. All right, well, we're going to log out for a couple minutes here. Take a quick break. A couple minutes. I mean, a few seconds. I don't know how long these breaks take. We're going to log out here for a quick break, and we're going to come back and recap a pretty big upset on the other side of this thing. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. 
Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Scott. Packers 31, Cowboys 28. This thing went to overtime. You know, I mean, Mike McCarthy, some questionable decisions here and there. All, all kinds of different things with the with the former Packers coach, coaching for Dallas now. But really, I think from a fantasy angle, the story of this game. I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of receiver based storylines here, right? Like we know Tony Pollard has the big game in replacement of Zeke Elliott. Everybody knew that was coming. Ceedee Lamb has you know like a legit number one type of receiver game. Everybody's been saying like, oh, you know, Ceedee Lamb actually hasn't had like a big ceiling game. Well, he has a big ceiling game in one of the biggest moments here. Um, the defense on the other side gave up. Some big plays to another receiver, Christian Watson, over 100 yards, three touchdowns, and man, like at the moment that they needed it. And this is a guy who's been kind of off and on the field for um, the Green Bay Packers because of injuries. But, you know, they lose Romeo Dobbs, uh, who's been, you know, a, a rookie and up and down player for them, but he's offered them a lot as their outside receiver. Christian Watson comes in here and gets eight targets. You know, there was one other time where he missed a vertical plane. Of course, Aaron Rodgers all getting all upset about it. But man, I, I do kind of wonder if they found something here with Christian Watson, who certainly has juice. Um, not totally there technically, but has juice and I think could be a big factor second half of the season. Yeah, team leading eight targets. Obviously, the three touchdowns. I wish I had seen this coming because I know he was widely available in most of my leagues. And it's so hard to pick up receiver help. And again, this is kind of the theme of the week of all these offenses that were on the restricted list. Maybe they're making a case to be off the restricted list. Tampa Bay comes to mind. Indianapolis comes to mind. Green Bay comes to mind. Aaron Jones has another guy we weren't sure was going to play, came off the injury report on Friday and had just a, a textbook Aaron Jones game. A.J. Dillon you know, as the one-third you know, to two-thirds of Jones was was effective. It wasn't the greatest fantasy day, but you know, Dillon's been a poor efficiency player. He did something. It was a good game for Rodgers. And I, again, I just want Green Bay to not be a dead zone. And a, a couple times this year, I've thought maybe they are a dead zone and, and Rodgers yeah. looked checked out and we couldn't trust any of the receivers. Now, Lazard didn't do much in this game until he had a really nice catch and run in the overtime period, almost broke it for a touchdown. I, I think he was very smart to realize once he got in field goal range and he probably wasn't going to score, he secured the ball, just got on the turf, you know, kicked the field goal and get out of there. But it's just nice to see the Packers doing Packer things. And on the Dallas side, I mean, you know, C.D. Lamb, I drafted him proactively. He was a guy that if you wanted him in August, you had to elbow other people out of the way. Okay, He was a hot player. He was a helium player. He's a player whose ADP constantly rose. And because of that, I think he's been just a, a tiny bit of a disappointment. Not his fault that Dak Prescott got hurt. He was okay with Cooper Rush. It wasn't great. The Cowboys were trying to, to win with defense. They didn't want to overload Rush. Today was what you had in mind when you drafted C.D. Lamb, a day where he'd get 15 targets, a day where he'd have double-digit uh, catches, a day where he would win on every strata of the field. And I'm sure Cowboy fans and Cowboy betters thought it was crazy that they didn't throw a flag in overtime when it, Jair Alexander yeah. probably interfered with Lamb. I, I, was I, watching was with, a, uh, I was watching with some Cowboys fans today. Um, yeah, can confirm. <laughs> Not yes, happy. Uh, my, my good buddy Steve Gleason, I know, was uh, was on the, the Cowboys today, and he, he thought it was ridiculous that the flag wasn't thrown. And I thought it was closer to borderline, but that said, I do think it was PI, and I think they should have thrown the call. and And the Cowboys are probably frustrated because that was a drive where there were a couple of holding calls too. 
I don't know what they're going to do when Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott both play. Pollard was was good today. He wasn't like, oh, my God, electric good, but yeah. he was really good. I thought Dak had a pretty good game. A couple of picks, you, you don't like that. But doesn't Malik Davis like even s- had some pop, too. Scott, five carries, 38 yards, 7.6 sure. per, per. Yeah, he, he offered. There was a couple times I was like, oh, man, right? yeah. Like, and Dalton Schultz is coming around. Again, you know, props to my friend Ian Hartitz, who's doing, doing a great job. One of my favorite follows, who was very early to like this 31-yard Schultz prop is ridiculous. And even though it did rise during the week, it still was in the 30s. He goes over his prop easily. He he scores a touchdown. He's a guy who was hurt most of the first half of the year. He looks healthy now. He's probably going to be their second most active receiver. But isn't it kind of funny? This is kind of feel like the kind of game Dallas loses, right? I mean, they're the favorite yes. and they're the number yes. two or number three team in the NFC and Green Bay's on a five game bender and and Dallas has a lead. And it just it just feels like this is a Mike McCarthy special. This is a Dallas Cowboys special. This is a, a team that you should beat. You got control of the game. You somehow find a way to lose it. It, it. I don't know. It just feels like a Dallas special all the way. But for fantasy purposes, pretty much anybody you needed to play in this game came through for you. Yeah, and you know, a couple interceptions for Dak uh, early in the game. You know, the defense though really was a was a big issue. They play a lot of man coverage. Of course, you play a lot of man coverage against these Packers receivers because typically all year they have not beat man coverage. Well, that's where the Christian Watson thing might be a little bit of a season changer for them because if he's taken a step technically, he has all the tools. And, and look, even if it's just going to be go routes and o- deep overs and you know slants and crossers like limited limited route tree stuff. That's fine. Alec Pierce has given the Colts a lot. Just do it running slants, posts and goes, you know, I mean, he didn't do anything today, but just that's the point, right? Like he can be that type of player for the Packers. The Packers need that type of player. So you're right. It definitely felt like a game. The Cowboys are at one point in this game. You know, I'm in Virginia state, not not California state. You can actually legally bet in at one point. There was like the the line was Packers plus 14 and a half. Right. You know, I mean, there was a one point where we really were like, oh, man, the, the Cowboys can just run away with this. But it's not the type of game they run away with. Um, Chiefs 27, Jaguars 17. L- a lot of lot of interesting takes here. Uh, Scott, I know you've got some stuff on the Jags offense, the, the losing team uh, that you want to hit on here. Yeah, I mean, five sacks is too many for Trevor Lawrence, but I feel like he's playing just a little bit better and a little bit better every week. And he's, again, you know, I, I want the the biscuit buttered where it should be. Christian Kirk, monster game, four, you know, 12 targets. Zay Jones was involved. Yeah. I do think they could throw more to Travis Etienne. I don't want to make Travis Etienne out to be like LaDainian Thomas and Marshall Falk. I think he's a capable receiver. I'm not saying he's an electric receiver. He's not Christian McCaffrey. But they, they've been using him so little. A couple of weeks, his receiving prop got so low. I, I took it just thinking at, at some point they're going to be behind in a game and they're going to use him more. And obviously, Lawrence and Etienne played at the same offense at Clemson. I, I realized they played in a different type of offense, a lot of read option there. But I feel like they, there's going to be more ETN receiving work to come. And this draft class, it, it just, again, it's so nice. A few weeks ago, it's like, well, man, I don't know about Lawrence and Fields is being hung out to dry. And we're, we're never going to know about Trey Lance because he's always hurt. Mac Jones is playing so poorly. And Zach Wilson has been so bad. It's just nice to see light at the end of the tunnel. You know, even Davis Mills had some moments today. I mean, all I'm asking for these guys is to be competent and, and for this class to go down as a regular class where some guys hit and some guys are okay and maybe a couple of guys miss. And I feel optimistic about that Jaguar side of it. On the flip side, man, Mahomes is just a wizard. Unbelievable. This is yeah. not. This is probably the weakest 
receiver room he's had. Not that these are bad players. You know, everybody would love Kelsey at tight end. He's a walk-in Hall of Famer. I know Juju got hurt in this game with a concussion. It looks like he may maybe miss some time. You know, MVS is the guy who clears out, runs long routes. He had a good game today, but there's going to be a lot of times where he helps the team and doesn't actually produce. Uh, Tony was involved and, and was yeah. needed, right? Just when I trusted McCole Hardman, he wasn't available for this game. I'm at the point now where I think that if you gave Patrick Mahomes, I don't want to diss any of these players. They're all talented. They're all good at their own you know, things. They all have different skill sets. But I think you could give Patrick Mahomes any group of receivers and he'd still be a star quarterback. I think he's the easy MVP front runner. I think he's the only reason. I don't think this Chiefs team overall is a great team, but Patrick Mahomes is out of his mind. If this season ended right now, I would be mad if he didn't win MVP unanimously. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, you know, I, I agree with you there. And it is the guys he's kind of dragging along with him. I think he should be the MVP. Um, as you mentioned, you know, a couple of things here. You mentioned the, the receiver injuries. Certainly Kadarius Toney um, took a little bit of a leap there. Justin Watson, though, played a bunch, too. I know he's not like he didn't do much. He had one catch, but, you know, still he ran the second most routes among the wide receivers. But, you know, Tony seven air yards per target, 7.8 yards after the catch per reception. Like his open field skills are, are going to be a big part of this offense. To me, uh, another interesting story that's going to go a little bit more under the radar. I know Isaiah Pacheco fumbled, um, but he did play uh, a pretty high snap share here. 56.5% of the offensive snaps. Jarek McKinnon, second on the team, 37.1. CEH, 6.5. Like, what have we said about backfields all year, Scott? You can get it down from three to two. It's really going to matter. We'll see. I'm, I'm certainly not going to be out there like, oh, yeah, Pacheco must start. I know he fumbled. Like I said, he fumbled in this game, too. But if we do get CEH iced out of this backfield, like Pacheco would be really interesting in that scenario. In that scenario. Yes, although they refused to throw the ball to Pacheco. What wasn't even yes, targeted in this game. Yeah. And But the key, again, it's it's a classic three to two. And Edwards Alaire hardly played. Jarek McKinnon is, you know, he's already in his 30s. I, I don't think Jarek McKinnon's a bad player by any means. And he was very active in the passing game. But maybe it's a case where could we eliminate the, could we get down to three to two where Pacheco's the, the one down, first down, second down pounder, or at least option. I don't know. He's really pounder is, is really a, a word that, that fits his running description, but maybe he's the guy who fits that. Maybe McKinnon's the hurry up guy. Maybe McKinnon's the player they trust more on third down and then CEH and, Man, I, I still remember CH being drafted where he was, and, and oh, then yeah. Williams opts out, and he ends up being a first. I remember round being pick a part and, of that crime. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, he's CH is what, what can we say? It's it's yeah. not he's not a bad football player. I, I don't want to make it out to be the problem with CEH, Matt. It, it's like if I told you I, I had the funniest joke I've ever heard, or I, I ate at the best restaurant you know in, in the LA area that you've never been to, and I talked about it, and talked about it, and talked about it, and then you went to the restaurant, and you're like, you expect it to be great because all you've heard of is how wonderful this restaurant is. Ceh was a first round pick who was going to an Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes offense, and, and then the player who's going to compete for touches his, his rookie year was eliminated from the picture. It just the expectations were so unrealistic and maybe he should have been like a third round pick. I don't think he's a bad player at all. I think he's just a guy. And I think the chiefs have accepted that. It isn't always what they say. It's how they utilize. It's what they do. It's how they distribute the ball. And they've told us with the way they're distributing the ball, that CEH is no longer a priority. I, I actually think in some leagues, I know nobody's going to do this. Everybody's petrified to drop anybody on the chiefs. I think you could drop CEH. Yep. I totally agree with you. Uh, based on this snap count alone, you can you could probably go ahead and drop Ceh. Just if they're like, yeah, you just 
Not even a high upside stash at this point. Um, certainly not a high upside game. Titans 17, Broncos 10. Um, the rest of these games are a little dusty, Scott. Um, so starting here with the with the king of dust, Russell Wilson, not great. We but we should maybe we should have seen this coming, Scott. I remember the total came out as like 36 and a half. And I'm like, I should just bury this under. And I don't know why I, I didn't. No, I did not bury it. I didn't even bet it. But <laughs> um, maybe maybe it's because West played a little bit better in the London game. And so what did that do? It it, it pushed me into, I had I had their tight end. Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my Great head. Who am I thinking of? Yeah, Dulcich. I had Dulcich in the circle of trust. I bet a Dulcich prop. I knew the backfield was going to be crowded. Obviously, Tennessee gets Tannehill back, which at least gives them a chance. I, nobody saw the Westbrook Akine game coming, and that's just one of those things that <laughs> yeah. you know. Don't chase the stats. I'm sure you and Andy no, are going to yeah. be like, "Yeah, it was a nice game. Do not bid on Westbrook Akine. You know, take him for zero if you have to. If you have to play him one week, fine. But th- there's no staying power here. Two good defenses." Two teams that don't trust their passing game. In the case of Denver, they really can't trust Wilson. In the case of Tennessee, they just don't have the receivers. I was curious to see if they were going to do anything with Burks coming back this week. That didn't happen. 17-10, man, this game felt... If you told me this game was 7-3, I would have believed you. That's the way it felt like to me. Every time I was watching it, I felt like I was watching an unsuccessful play. Yeah, Jerry Judy leaves the game early with an injury, uh, so keep an eye on that. He had sort of emerged as the top receiver on this team. Cortland Sutton gets back in there with 11 targets, and but the touchdown from Russell Wilson goes to somebody named Jalen Virgil, who I had not heard of prior to the game, so that is where we Me are neither. with this game. Next game up here, Giants 24, Texans 16. I mean, Scott, this one was kind of as we expected, um, but we did get some interesting performance, especially from one Giants receiver. Yeah, I mean, look, four four targets is not a lot to hang your hat on, but three catches, ninety five yards and a touchdown. All I I don't ask for much. I just want the Giants <laughs> to treat Darius Slayton as their best receiver because he is their best receiver, and, I, and I've always liked him. I liked him at Auburn. I liked him his rookie year, and then he's been out of favor. And they, they signed, um, they signed um, Kenny Galladay, and you know Evan Ingram was there for a while, and you know, obviously. Uh, they have injuries. They've had a bunch of injured receivers that you can't trust. I, I want to play Darius Slayton the rest of bye week season. You know, I, I want him, and, and I, I realize this is an offense that doesn't want to throw the ball a lot. They throw it 17 times today. Uh, a game where you could have bet either side of the rushing props really confidently. I mean, Barkley's was in the 90s. It's like, well, how could you ever go under that? As long as he doesn't get hurt, he's going to go well over 100 against this Houston defense that can't stop the run. And God love Damian Pierce. It doesn't matter who they play. It doesn't matter the game flow. He's getting his, man. He's he's going to be on the field. He, he's going to be over 100 total yards. And we saw signs of, of life with Davis Mills. Not that we're all looking to play Davis Mills, but wouldn't it be nice to play Nico Collins, who had a good yes. game today? Yep. Would it be nice to maybe play Brandon Cooks again, who didn't have a good game today, but we'd like to have, you know, he's too good to cut. We'd like to have Brandon Cooks back in the circle of trust at some point. Uh, Houston did fight back in this game, but for the most part, it's what we thought. Both teams are going to run the ball well. Both teams, you have to squint to find receiving value. I, I just hope Darius Slayton can be a player for me through bye week season. And even though it was only a four-target game, I know a lot of people are going to be scared off by that. When they make a big play in the passing game, I always assume Darius Slayton must be on the other side of that. 
Yeah, he's certainly their deep guy compared to Wandale Robinson, who was the second receiver in terms of like targets or at least in terms of routes run, playing time, stuff like that. And I agree with you. Nico Collins, like I keep saying it, as long as Davis Mills can give us something like and Nico Collins is back, he's starting to heat up a little bit based on what he did before the injury. And now I think he's a guy that should be on the back end of rosters. But we knew what we were going to kind of get in this game. I agree. Damian Pierce, the guy is so good. Um, Let's move on here. Cardinals 27, Rams 17. Obviously, biggest story in this game. Uh, in the backup quarterback bowl, man. Yikes. Uh, Cooper Cup, ankle injury coming out of his. Our buddy Edwin Porras from Fantasy Point said that ankle fracture is the worst case scenario and can't be ruled out. A high ankle would be the best case. Don't love when a high ankle sprain is the best case uh, for a player. Look, this season has felt like a lost year for the Rams from literally the first whistle. Um, when we saw the performance of that offensive line against Buffalo, we knew this was going to be like a hands-off offense. Uh, I, I Cooper Cup, if he goes down, like I, I, I just can't even fathom like what the Rams would be offensively. Like, do they move Allen Robinson into being more of a slot receiver? I have no idea. Like, just. Hands off pretty much for the Rams if, if if there's no more Cooper Cup. Yeah, there's nothing else here. I mean, Tyler Higby was playable because Arizona's tight end coverage is so bad. And, you know, so he had eight for 73, which in a lousy tight end year, you'll take that. But this felt like a preseason game. Both teams playing their backup quarterback. Yeah, Hopkins got his because he, he's really, really good. And I was encouraged with what Rondell Moore did. Uh, James Conner went back to his touchdown deodorant thing. Where no, absolutely no efficiency, but he scored twice. I still think both these teams are on a road to nowhere. I don't trust their starting quarterbacks. I mean, Colt McCoy is actually a pretty good backup. You don't want, you know, it's the, again, it's the donut tire in the back of the car. 50 miles on Colt McCoy, 100 miles on Colt McCoy, you're fine. You do not want to go halfway across the country with Colt McCoy. You'll get exposed that way. But at least he got the ball to the guys we wanted. Also, another injury in this game was Zach Ertz. It didn't look yeah. good. He's a tight end uh, who He's we've trusted most of the year. Um, doesn't look too good for him, but. Honestly, if Arizona and the Rams cancel the rest of their games, uh, you know, I'd, I'd miss Hopkins, of course, but I don't think I'd miss much else here. It looks like Cooper Cup's <laughs> going to be hurt for a while, which stinks. But these are two teams that are not going to be anywhere near the playoffs. And now that Cup's hurt, it's just I don't think I'm going to be fielding Rams questions. Who, who would you no. possibly ask about? You can't play Akers. You can't play Henderson. You're Kieran Williams dressed and had one carry. You, you know, I, you need a show me game before he ever gets into the circle of trust. That we talked about all these offenses, right? Maybe back off the restricted list. The Rams are so deeply on that restricted list right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're a little harsh to put the Cardinals in there. Well, from a team perspective, yeah, who cares about the Cardinals? But fantasy, yep. though, yeah, we care about Hopkins. Rondell Moore has definitely emerged in the in, now that he's in the correct role. Nine catches yep. for 94 yards. You know, but yeah, losing Zach Ertz, that is certainly going to hurt at a tight end position. We'll see if they and can get there. That was hard their... on, on Connor. I mean, he got all the carries, right? Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. If, you, if you're going to tell me he's going to dominate carries and have goal line equity, well, that's a thing. Okay. And he even yeah. got, a, he got three passes. They didn't, didn't really go anywhere, but hey, 24 touches in goal line equity. I, I, I can't. You know, throw my nose up at that. I mean, we're in a league of everybody. You're, you're, we're happy to get down to backfields that have two players, and today this backfield had one guy. That's that's something. So you're right. I I was unfair to the Cardinals in this game, um, and then they won it convincingly. It, it really wasn't a competitive game. Maybe it's just because I just don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. But and, and you know what else? Too look, look, Kyler Murray's better than Colt McCoy. But maybe yeah. just for one week, just to have Colt McCoy knowing what you're getting from Colt McCoy, because so much of what Kyler does 
there's not a consistency there. And a lot of it just feels like it's, it's street yard ball and everything. And I don't think he has the best working relationship with Kingsbury right now. Maybe just to have a spot start for McCoy. Again, I would never say long-term this is a solution. It's not, but maybe for this game against John Wolford, maybe Colt McCoy was actually the better guy to start in this one specific scenario. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. Next game up here. Steelers 20. Saints 10, last game up here. Last for game a up reason. Here. For, for a reason. We saved um, the best the, for last. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Uh, although Najee Harris, 20 carries, 99 yards. That's great. If for all the last place teams that, had, that drafted Najee Harris, like, you know, maybe you get yourself out of the last place spot with this one. But um, lost goal line carries to Kenny Pickett. Even George Pickens had a rushing touchdown. Nobody loves a wide receiver rushing play. Like Matt Canada, George Pickens has two carries for 23 yards in this one. Steven Sims, who's, I guess, their new slot receiver, has two carries for <laughs> Matt Canada. Please, my, my guy, you have to stop. Um, anyways, I don't want to get on the Canada thing again. Najee Harris has an interesting game. That's pretty much about it uh, because nothing really happened to the Pittsburgh passing game. Um, Deontay Johnson leads the team with 63 yards. The Saints box score, e- even rougher, man. I mean... It was a bad sign for Andy Dalton, for Chris Olave. I should have put more credence into this for Chris Olave that, you know, TJ Watt was coming back in there for an offensive line that struggled a little bit. Um, Andy Dalton's got to be having like recurring nightmares from the Steelers defenses of old, torturing him with the Cincinnati Bengals after this one. I'm going to sound all flip floppy because a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, isn't it nice that Andy Dalton's here to, to save Alvin Kamara in the passing game? But at this point, I just want to see James Winston play again. And James it's, Winston. So Scott, and nobody's gonna nobody should get pissed at you for being flip floppy on that. Okay. It's like, do you want this bad? Do you want this type of bad or do you want this type of bad? Like there's this it should not be like a political talk, like a right, you know, okay, well, this this candidate is switching su- switching his sides on the uh, on these important issues. It's like, oh, who cares? Andy Dalton, James Winston is just a different type of not good enough. And by the way, it we should be giving the Saints more crap for thinking like okay we'll just walk into the season with these two quarterbacks i mean what a ridiculous notion like not even a real team i'm just at the point now where i i think winston can make throws that threaten more of the field than dalton can and i want to see olave spread his wings a little bit and also i was more proactive we all knew Taysom hill was going to be a limited guy but i thought he would have enough goal line equity that he would still be a top 12 tight end because the position stinks and maybe his chances were like 30, 35% to score a touchdown on any given week. Well, they've, they've really scaled back their Taysom Hill packages. Not that they couldn't change it at any point, but not only are they doing that, but then they have Jawan Johnson, who's actually making yeah. things happen at tight end. He gets seven targets, five catches, gets a touchdown here. I, I also think that Pat Frymuth is going to have a good second half. This was not a good matchup yeah, for him. The Saints are very good in tight end coverage, but Frymuth is one of the few Steelers I feel good about going forward. Jalen Warren was involved in the passing game. He's an interesting guy to have. Even though Harris had one of his better games, I think Warren should be rostered everywhere. And now that Godwin, I'll close with this, now that Chris Godwin has found the end zone, Deontay Johnson, you are on an island oh, here, yeah. man. Yep. You're the guy. Because for a while it was like, oh, Kamara's got all the touches, no touchdowns. And then it was like, well, Johnson and Godwin have all these targets, no touchdowns. Godwin has broken through. He's opened the account. Deontay Johnson's the target monster with no touchdowns. Where are we going? And I know you have a lot of thoughts on Deontay Johnson. What do you tell Deontay Johnson managers going forward? Oh, I mean, he's, I don't want to play any of these dudes. I, I don't want to play Deontay Johnson. I don't want to play George Pickens. I don't want to play. I mean, I, like people love George Pickens, and it's like, okay, he got the rushing touchdown. I get it, but um, twenty, you know, it does nothing through the air. Like, and I, I don't think anybody's going to do anything through the air with this team because I, I'm not 
a fan of what Kenny Pickett's put out there. I'm not a fan of the offensive coordinator, so I'm not going to be a fan of any of the pass catchers in fantasy, despite the fact I love Deontay Johnson as the player. I think George Pickens is super, super talented, a guy I'm really impressed with, but but this quarterback with this offensive coordinator, and I know the Saints have a, you know, not as good a defense as we might have thought, but still a relatively good defense. Like, there's not a great floor with these dudes, and there's certainly not a ceiling, as you mentioned. So, yeah, Chris Godwin's able to break through the 100-target, yeah, no-touchdown thing uh, because he's playing with Tom Brady in an offense that's got proven dudes. And, you know, Deontay Johnson's just not. Like, can he, uh, George Pickens is just not. Like, this is the way it is with this offense. Saints get the Rams next week, man. I, I, I wouldn't mind if that game just wasn't televised. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a good bounce back spot for Olave, but that's about it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you that I think I'm I'm ready enough to see Jameis Winston. I mean, I'm ready to see Chris Olave with the real quarterback, but um, this is what this team is giving us right now. And this is what we'll have to rock with, unfortunately. All right, that's going to do it for us. Hell of a recap show. Hell of a good week here, Scott. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. <laughs> for as long as Twitter is still whatever it is, You'll never find a better fantasy account than at Yahoo Fantasy. The master of royalty, Andy Barons, will be back tomorrow with an update on news and some waiver wire recommendations. Until then, we're out.